Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Recorded live. The beautiful day is a wonderful day. Notice the temperature was as beautiful as it appears on the outside. Uh, Uh, and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood a 
out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. Now when he had taken the scroll, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the Lord, the Lamb, each having a heart and golden bowls full of incense, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sang a new song, saying, You are worthy to take the scroll. Uh, you are worthy to take the scroll and to open its seals, for you were slain and have redeemed us to God by your blood out of every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and have made us kings and priests of our God. And what is to say? And we shall reign on the earth. Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and living creatures, and the elders, and the number of them was 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands of thousands, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea, and all that are in them, I heard say, Blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Then the four beasts, four living creatures, said, Amen. And the twenty-four elders did what? They fell down and they worshipped him who lives forever and ever. God, we thank you for the reading of your word. Uh, there is no one qualified here, God, to bring forth the revelation and heal within your word. Holy Spirit, it is you that we look to. It is you that we call upon to reveal to us the contents of the word, God, that by these words we may become wiser and more mature in our walk and greater, with a greater understanding of who our Lord is and who we are I, as his servant. And we thank you now that you are speaking, Holy Spirit, anoint this place, anoint your servant to have your way in this place now. It is in the righteous and holy name of Jesus Christ that we pray and we ask the Lord. Hallelujah and amen. The glory of Christ is revealed. Today, we are going to be talking about the soul of seven seeds. Around AD 95, it's always good to give a little history here. Around AD 95, the Roman emperor Domitian permanently imprisoned the apostle John on the island of Patmos because he because he preached the word of God and he gave testimony of Jesus Christ. Verse nine. So Patmos was a small, rocky, and barren island in the Aegean Sea. Upon the death of, of, of Domitian, about the year one year later, uh, John was well. He he was released from imprisonment on the island. However, while on the island of Patmos, John was in the spirit on the Lord's day. To be in the spirit is the supernatural work of God, where He moves a person beyond the limits of their physical and their natural body, and beyond the limits of their mind into the heavenly realm in order that he might show them something that he wants them to know and to see. On the Lord's day simply means it was on a Sunday. He was worshiping, you see. 
he was worshiping when he was caught up in the spirit. It was about the spirit, it was while in the spirit that John was instructed by the Lord to write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia. Uh, that's verse one, chapter one, verse eleven. So the book that John was instructed to write, I perceive, was the Christian churches book called Revelation. Just as Genesis means the beginning, both in Hebrew and Greek, Revelation in the Greek, Apocalypsis, meaning unveiling, disclosure, or revelation. Therefore, Revelation is making known that this would not otherwise be known. I love it. Revelation permits believers a glimpse into heaven where we may prayerfully see and understand what has yet to be taken place on earth and in the spirit world, the casting of Satan, for example, and his demons into the lake of fire. That is, in the casting of those non-Christians who had an opportunity while they were on this earth to reject Jesus Christ. They rejected him. They're going into the lake of fire. That is, and then lastly, death and hell, they also were cast into the lake of fire. So God just cleaned house. What God says is there will be no more tears, no more sickness, no more hunger, none of that stuff. He's getting rid of everything that was that was that took us away, that caused us death, that caused us sickness, that caused us the sin and the instrument of sin, Satan and his demons. Took it all away. No more. This, my brothers and sisters, is what we call the second death. So you die twice. Well, believers die once. But unbelievers die twice. Believers die once and then they're with God forever in eternity. But the non-believer dies once, a physical death, and then when he stands before the great right throne, Revelation chapter 20, and he is condemned or she is condemned for not receiving Christ and living in sin, they are going into the lake of fire. You can't be you. Those of you that are saved, you won't be I mean, you won't be looking at oh, what a beautiful thing. No, no, no. You are just rejoicing because you are saved and you are not born. You know what I mean? Huh. They rejected Now, what I missed by the believers being able to take a glimpse into heaven is that we are able to do that by reading the Word of God and getting an understanding of the book of Revelation, which is from Jesus Christ, apart from the Holy Spirit, living in and operating in the lives of believers in Christ Jesus, no one can get an understanding of the Word of God because it is spiritually discerned. You can't get it any other way. You can look at it from a worldly standpoint and you think you got it, but there's more to it than what you see on the surface. You may look up the definition of the Word, and you may put something together, but you will totally miss what God is saying. In chapter 1, Christ reveals himself as Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, which is and which was and which is to come, the Almighty. He says, I am the first and I am the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and death. In verse 19, Jesus instructs John to once more to write the things which thou hast seen and things which are and things which shall be. He 
you have. See, God gave him a glimpse into what was coming. That's what Revelation does. It gives us a it gives us a picture into what is coming. And so only the believer can grasp it and jump on board and understand. And so if you're not a believer in Christ, then you can look all you want, but that's about all you can do. Uh, and, and don't miss it. In chapter 2 and 3, Jesus dictates seven letters, one each to the seven churches which are in Asia, Ephesus, uh, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. In chapter 4, John is granted the privilege of entering into the throne room of God by way of the Spirit. Chapter 4 introduces us to one sat on the throne, God, what he looks like. The 24 thrones on which sat 24 elders clothed in white robes, and they wore crowns of gold. We've got introduced in chapter 4 to the four living creatures full of eyes in the front and in the back with various appearances. For example, the first one looked like a lion, the second one looked like a calf, the third one had the face of a man, and the fourth one looked like an eagle, was like an eagle. So, there are four creatures, and they all had six wings full of eyes. Around and uh, inside within. So, when they do not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who, who was and is and is to come, whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fell down on their faces and they worshiped him who lives forever and ever, and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor, power, forever and ever. Why? Because you created all things, and by your will they exist and were created. Does that sound familiar? Even the angels in heaven, the elders in heaven, are worshiping Christ and telling him, that he lives forever and ever. Everything exists not by the will of man, nor by the will of blood, nor the will of flesh, but by the will of God himself. All things exist for Christ. Things, this brings us to chapter 5, from which we take our text. Chapter 5 introduces us to the scroll with which with its seven seals. Today, I want to begin ministering from the title, The Scroll of of seven seals. It is by it is my belief that we are living in the end time. There's a word, a Greek word we hear called eschatology. You hear it all the time. It simply means the end time, those things that are coming to pass in the end. It is the end time. We are believe or are living in the end time. <laughs> so we have to be getting ourselves prepared for the Lord's return. And by your will, he says, all things exist in work for God. Love that. So, Jesus is coming back. And when he comes back the second time, he's, he's not going to be meek and mild like a lamb. No, 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 no. He's going to be coming like a roaring lion. You know that wind out there is blowing and whipping this morning? Boy, that's a vicious wind out there. So, what that is, so when Jesus is coming back, we don't know. 
And I'm not going to be one to get it. Too many people brought this to try to predict what you coming back. He said no man would know the hour. Only that until that is restricted just to the father. Nobody else would know it. Yes, that's what they they kept, they keep on trying. And they kept looking more and more stupid every time they did it. Because they they didn't know. They just thought they knew. God, through Christ, is the giver of the seven seals, the scroll of seven seals. So what is the significance of the scroll of seven seals? That's the question I Today's text will begin answering the question regarding the significance of the scroll of seven seals. From our text today, we will, we will seek to answer the question, who is worthy? Because that was a question in our text. Who is worthy? That's verses uh, 2 through 5. And then we're going to look at the land, because then he comes on the scene there in verses 6 and 7. And then we're going to see the reaction of the angels in heaven uh, when they worship the Lamb of God, verses 8 through 14. Let's go to our first division. Who is, who is worthy? Verses 2 through 5. John says this, Then I saw, the only other person I know that was taller than the heaven was Paul. He says, whether in the flesh or, or in the spirit, I know not. But he was caught up. And then so John says, then I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and to loose its seal? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look at it. My goodness, not even look at it. That's something. So I wept much because no one was found worthy to open and read the scroll or to look at it. But one of the elders said to me, do not weep. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to loose its seven seals. Now, I say worthy, who is worthy? When a question like that is asked, there must have been something to cause to happen to cause that question to be asked. And what happened was there was an offering of the scroll. So if there's an offering of the scroll, I'm not qualified. I'm not qualified. I can't even look at it. I'm not qualified. Are you qualified? I'm not qualified. You qualified? No, 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 not me. Is that okay? Then the question is, who is? Now, the offering of the scroll in verse 1, there is the offering of the scroll by him who sat on the throne. Symbolically, the scroll was rolled up afterwards. I say symbolically because looking at the scripture, scripture is unclear what kind of material the scroll is made of. For from our human imagination, we assume the scroll is a physical material. When what John saw, he saw in the spirit. So if he saw it in the spirit, and he was in heaven in the spirit when he saw it, then was it made of earthly material, or was it made of something in heaven? My, my educated guess is it was something made in heaven. Mm. So, not material. In any event, the scroll has writing on the inside and on the back, and it is sealed with seven seals. <coughs> yeah, seven seals. Uh, so, however, the contents of the scroll are not yet revealed to us. What is revealed to us that God's hand is outstretched in a gesture that says he is handing the scroll 
there was, uh, I don't know if you guys remember David Carradine, he had a song for Sister Jit. Once you get you down, you tap for your safety down. Well, he, he finally got to a point where he worried enough to put enough potatoes out of his hand, out of his mask hand, and then go and lift up his big steel cauldron uh, with branches on either side, and it was steaming hot, was cold, burning hot. He grabbed it. You know how they grabbed the axe. He moves it out of the way, the door opens up, he walks out and blocks those out, so he takes some, he sticks them in there. But he was worthy to take the pebbles from his master's hand and to leave the place where Jesus, far greater than some of was able to remove the scroll from the hand of God. It's interesting because I remember, and I'm sure a student of the Old Testament, but I love it. I see the day in the morning. I see the day in the evening. That's what I said that on, on, on Thursday night. Uh, and, and, and I remember, I remember another scroll written on the outside, on the inside, and on the outside. And that's an uncommon thing. You can only see that uh, in, 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 in the earth where you see something, a uh, scroll that is written on the outside, in the inside, and on the outside. Not normal. But this is, out this is not normal. It's a supernatural thing taking place here. And I remember Ezekiel receiving the scroll. God says, take the scroll, and I want you to eat. And they described the scroll as being written on, on the inside and on the back. And then when he ate it, it was like honey. Mm. And, and, and God says, I want you to go now, and I want you to speak my word. And so, in other words, you've got to have the word in you in order for you to be able to give it to someone else. And so Ezekiel ate this scroll, and that all the words that were written on it became a part of him. That's what we call engrafting. You know how you take that, that which is not a part of something, and you attach it to that part, and eventually over time the two become uh, enmeshed together as one as if they were always one, and then they take on the characteristics of the thing that the whole that they take. Hold up, well, Ezekiel took on the characteristics of Christ. When you became Christ, you were engrafted into the body of Christ, and you are being molded and shaped into the image of Christ, the Son of God. So Ezekiel was handed this scroll, which had writing on the inside and on the outside, and written and written limitations, and it was written in lamentations and mourning and woe. While Ezekiel did not have to be concerned with seeing <laughs> He was told to eat the scroll and to go speak to the house of Israel. Here's the next thing. Who is worthy? First, it was the offering of the scroll, which prompted the question, who is worthy? And then what follows that question is uh, the question of worthiness. Now, who is worthy? These guys were not worthy, so who was worthy? Well, Greek, the, word, the, the Greek word for scroll is biblion, and it will read in our word, Bible, uh, and in a loud voice, a mighty angel called out in search of someone worthy of qualifying to open the scroll. Isn't that what you do on your when people looking for somebody specific to fill a position on a job? They're looking for somebody that's worthy, somebody qualified to fill a position to do the work. Well, there's only one person that was qualified to fulfill to fill the mission, to fill the purpose, to fill the job, fill the spot, the responsibility, to step up to the plate, if you will. Here we take three observations regarding the breadth of the call to take the scroll and open and seal. 
Here's the first one. Heaven. Heaven, no angel or saint was qualified to take the scroll and open its seal. Nobody in heaven was found. The next place is earth. Well, there's nobody found suitable on earth to take the scroll and open it. And then here's the amazing thing. And the next stage is under the earth. Well, there was nobody that was gone that was qualified to be called back to open this, to take the seat, the scroll, and open this seal. Nobody, or nobody living, nobody in heaven, nobody in earth, and nobody under the earth was qualified to, uh, to take the scroll and open this seal. So in all creation, nobody, nobody, not you, not I, not anybody. You know, I would think that I might talk so, who is worthy? Uh, and then I saw something else. I saw a sorrowful reaction because nobody was worthy. No one was found that was worthy to take the seal and open it. And so there was a sorrowful reaction on the part of John. When no one was found, John must have felt deeply troubled at this turn of events because he said, and I wept much. In other words, John began crying uncontrollably. And, and, and listen, it wasn't that. No, this brother in the spirit was crying like he lost his ever loving mind. Like everything is lost because no one was found to take the scroll and open the seal. Then, then, the John was in the spirit. I love it. He couldn't help himself, even in the spirit. He was gone. He lost it. He lost his cool. He lost his cool. John was in heaven in the spirit in order to have revealed to him the events that are to unfold in the end times and to see them take place. That's why he was there. Have you ever wanted to know something so bad that the sheer intensity of the desire made you cry? I want to get that something so bad. Or I, I wanted, I wanted that, I wanted, I wanted that job so bad. I mean, I prepared for, I studied for it. I mean, I went online, I learned about the company and everything they were about. I knew what their sales were. I know what their annual report said. I looked at their five-year report. I looked at their five-year projection. I looked at their ten-year projection. I looked at the number of folks in their in their company that own stock, part of the, uh, the company, had stocks in the company. I looked to see how many shares each of the leaders had. I mean, I knew all of this stuff, and I prepared for it. Got the right kind of shoes, got the right kind of clothes, got the right kind of haircut, even got the right kind of socks. And guess what? I didn't get the job. I just went straight back. Disappointed. And John must have felt like that. Nobody was found. You don't anticipate when you have such a great anticipation for something, and then you get let down. It hurts. So he must have just really just felt bad because he just started to cry uncontrollably. So this must have been what John was experiencing when no one was worthy to step forward and take the scope. That's that's how. And then there came a comforting assurance. There became a comforting assurance. Just when John thought everything was lost. Just when he was, just when he had just lost it all, there was a voice that said to him, 
Jesus is the root of David. 
Who is Jesse? Jesse is the father of David. So it speaks to Jesus' eternality, meaning he lives forever, his eternity. He is indeed the ancient of David. This, therefore, proves Jesus' worthiness to take the scroll and to open its seal. Now we move to the question from the question, who is worthy, to the next question, the Lamb. That's the question, but the next, the answer to that next question, who is worthy, we come to the Lamb, verses 6 and 7. What does it say? And I looked and behold, in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders stood what? A Lamb, as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, sent out into the earth. Then he came and looked, took the scroll out of the hand of him who sat on the throne. Who was sitting on the throne? God. Where is he? This lamb. Where is he? Because it says here, the look and behold in the midst of the throne and of the four living creatures and in the midst of the elders. And I ask the question, where is he? And the question is more like, are you paying attention? Are you paying attention to the scripture? That's what the question is. Where is he? Jesus, number one, is in heaven. That's where he is, right? And he is not in the manger. He's not in Jerusalem. He's not on the cross. And he's not in the tomb. He's not dead. He's alive. He is ascended and exalted in heaven. That's good news for the Christians to know that our Savior has defeated every enemy and is not controlling events. And he is now controlling events from glory. So Christ is in control of everything. All things consist. That is, all things are held together because of Christ. Like you and I, Jesus suffered, but God turned his suffering into glory. So he shall do, so shall he do for Christians all over the world. But the more specifically, John tells us that Jesus is in the midst. The Lamb is in the center of all that is going on in heaven. Remember that song, Jesus at the center of it all? I love it. Right when I heard that song today, I was working on that song last night. When I heard that song today, I said, Oh, that's it. He's in the center of it all. And it's going on in heaven. All creation centers in him. The four living creatures, as do all the all God's people, that is the elders, are the angels around the throne encircle the Savior and they praise him. Not only is he at the center of all that's going on in heaven but he is also at the throne. That's where he is. Now, we know, now how do you know that was him? By his appearance. His appearance. The lamb refers to Jesus first coming into the world as a human being. That's what we talk about when we talk about lamb. And then the lambs were used in sacrifices for sin offerings for the atonement of one who had sinned. Right? It was the blood of the lamb that was smeared over the lintel and the doorpost that caused the death angel to pass over in Egypt and destroy the firstborn of the Egyptians while saving lives to Jesus, the firstborn of the Israelites. Let me tell you something the blood works. It works. 
It was the blood of the lamb without spot or wrinkle that covered the sin of the sinner. The theme of the lamb is important through Scripture because it represents the person and work of Jesus Christ, the Redeemer. In the Old Testament, Isaac asked Abraham the question, where is the lamb? Genesis chapter 23, verse 7. But Isaac spoke to Abraham, his father, and said, my father. And he said, here I am, my son. Then he said, look, there's the fire, and there's the wood. Where is the lamb? What about offering? That question was answered by John the Baptist in the New Testament, where he cried out, Behold the Lamb of God, who takes away the sin of the world, John 1, 29. Even the choirs of heaven sing, Worthy is the Lamb, Revelation 5, 12. Jesus appeared to John as one having been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God, that was sent out in all the earth. You got to love it. You got to love it. Now, what does that mean? What is meant by having seven horns, the seven eyes? I, I know. I want to know that. And seven, and seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. Well, the answer to that is that the seven horns represent the authority and strength of a ruler. That's what that, the seven horns represent, the strength of a ruler. Listen, John Daniel chapter 7, verse 27. You can see this, this script here. The ten horns are ten kings who shall arise from his kingdom, and another shall arise, shall rise after them. He shall be different from the one from the first one, and shall subdue three kings. That is authority. That is strength. That is power. And then, of course, Revelation 13, 1. Then I stood on the sand of the sea, and I saw a beast rising up out of the sea, having seven heads and ten horns, and on his on, on his ten horns, ten crowns, and on his head a blast of a thing. So just simply, I'm using these as an illustration to demonstrate what the power, the strength of the ruler is. And that's all that is. That shows the strength and authority of the ruler. That's what the seven horns represent. And then there's the seven eyes. And these are the seven spirits of God. Zechariah 3 9 says, For behold, the stone that I laid before Joshua, upon the stone are seven eyes. This refers to the coming of Jesus as the sin remover for In Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, he for who has despised the day of small faith. But these seven rejoice to see the plumb line. In the hands of Zerubbabel, they are the eyes of the Lord, which scan to and fro throughout the whole earth. So, symbolically, the seven eyes represent the Holy Spirit. Revelation 1-4, John and the seven churches which are in Asia. Grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits who are before the throne. And then here, of course, uh, you gotta love it. You gotta love it. Then we have chapter four, verse five, Revelation. And from the throne proceeded lightning and thundering and forces. Seven lamps of fire were burning before the throne, which are the seven spirits of God. So we see systematically by going through the scriptures, 
systematic when we see one step right after the other, where there is a, a, a continuous mentioning, specific strategic mentioning of the seven spirits of God. They're everywhere. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9, verses 13 and 14. I watched till thrones were put in place, and then the ancient of days repeated them. His throne was a fiery flame, his wheels a burning fire. I was watching in the night vision, and behold, one like the Son of Man coming with the clouds in heaven. He came to the ancient of days, and they brought him near before him. Then he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people and nations and languages. Does that sound familiar to you? He says, God Christ Christ came and redeemed people by his blood from every tribe in Revelation. We just read it from Revelation and from every tribe, from every people, from every tongue, from every people and every nation. And clearly that's what we're saying here. John's revelation is just a disclosure now, a regurgitation, and a broader explicit explanation then of Daniel chapter 7, verses 9 through 13. Then the ancient of days who brought with him, they brought him near before him, then he was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all people, nations, and languages should serve him. We have people all around the throne, all the forces in heaven were crying out and worshiping the Lamb of God. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. There is no end to it, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, uh, the one which shall not be destroyed. No one is greater enough, great enough to destroy the kingdom of Christ. Nobody, nobody can dethrone him. Nobody can demean him. Nobody can replace him. He alone is Christ. There is none other. He is the redeemer of the world. He is the savior of mankind. No one else can replace him. Not Gucci, not Calvin Klein, not Madonna, not not not, not Beyonce, not JP, not not Kanye. Nobody, nobody can replace him. Not Dr. King. No, not not Ralph Abernathy. Nobody can replace him. He alone is Christ. He is the redeemer of the world. He is savior of mankind. There is nobody else. There is no one else. You let you miss out on him, you are missing out on eternity. You are missing out on the riches of heaven. You are missing out on the relationship with the creator of all things, God himself. His kingdom shall not be destroyed. But when you think about Satan, his kingdom will be destroyed. When you think about kings, their, 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 their throne will be overthrown. When you think about uh, queens, they shall no longer exist one day. Even they need Christ. They need Christ. The people on the street that they see got it all going on. He needs Christ. <laughs> the prostitute who can't control, who, who can't walk away from this guy because he has so much power over her, she thinks she needs Christ. Little children who are watching their mothers and their fathers shoot up with crack and and and, and cocaine and heroin and looking at looking at them smoking weed and, and doing all that stuff and laid out because they can't do anything after the drugs have taken over. They need Christ. Every living person needs Christ. You 
don't have Christ, you don't have life. Have Christ and life. Not just a little bit, but eternally. All the things that you need are in Christ. Seek first, he says, the kingdom of God and in righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Why seek Christ first? Because when you seek him, you've got everything because he says it. Spirit of God will take what belongs to me and show it to you. Everything belongs to Christ. He died and paid for it. So you can't take it from his hand. If you belong to him, I give you eternal life. You will never perish, and no man can snatch you from my hand. That is Christ. No problem is so great that Christ is not greater still. No problem so difficult that Christ cannot solve it still. No deep, no pit is so deep that God cannot lift you out of it. Where however low you go, that's how low God is. Christ died for you. He, he rose again for you and for me. It does not matter what your nationality is. It doesn't matter what your background is. Our scripture just said he became the redeemer. People out of every tribe and every tongue and every people and every nation. There is nothing excluded from that. No human being. Everybody. Man, woman, boy, or girl. Child. Children. God is looking for you. He gave Christ for you. Now I said, I'm going to have to stop here. So the lion of the tribe, this is the lion and the lamb, without doubt, refer to Jesus Christ. With the lamb suffering his first coming and his death, and the lion referring to his second coming and his sovereign judgment of the world. Why? Because God has given him the power to judge. Okay, we'll pick up here and we'll go into uh, we'll, we'll answer this third. Uh, we'll take a look at this third point on next Sunday, and then we'll go into uh, revealing the contents of the seven seals, the scroll of the seven seals. Well, each seal we will address. Individually, we are going to break it down. We're going to take a look at it. After hearing this word, there may be one, and you're without the Lord Jesus Christ. God is ready right now to turn your situation around. Send a man, send a woman, send a boy, send a girl. The question is, if God were to call you right now, can you honestly say that you're ready to go and be with the Lord? If not, if I were you, I'd make that decision today. Secondly, if you're looking for a church home, and the Spirit of the Lord is speaking to you to become a part of this ministry, this is where I want to be. This is where I want to work. This is the place I want to call home on my way to my heavenly home. We welcome you. Thirdly, if you are a backslider and you want that joy restored in your life, I'm here to tell you God will restore the joy. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. He will do it, and he will do it now. Fourthly, if you are a student in college and you're away from your own church, uh, you should join us on the watch chair where we can watch over your soul and teach you the word. So when you finish with your studies here in this area, you can return home to your own church and assist your pastor in fulfilling the vision that God has called him or her to. And finally, but certainly not least, if you are in need of prayer, I'm here to tell you prayer works. God answers prayer. He says you will find me when you seek me, uh, when you search for me with all your heart. So he will be found if we will just cry out to him, if we will call out to him in prayer. God answers prayer no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you are. There is always a point of beginning, and God is ready to receive your prayer, and he's ready to receive you. 
any of these five areas, we would worship and welcome you. Father, we thank you for the preaching of your word and the teaching of your word. Holy Spirit, you have educated us all today. Now I ask that you would take the word that you have spoken unto us and that you will cause them to reverberate in our hearts, that we may think upon them as the readers did in that 17th chapter of the book of Acts. And they went home and they studied and because they studied it saw, they increased in their belief and then more and more the church increased because the people believed. Thank you, because you, your word is true, God, and everything about you is true. We thank you now. We honor you, and we give you glory. In the righteous and holy name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah and amen. Well, it's coffee time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.